What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about actress Natalie Portman and the latest Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. But let's first talk about Natalie Portman. She has been a consistent presence in my life for about the past decade. I've been watching a lot of really good Natalie Portman movies, and it just boggles my mind how Natalie Portman only has one Oscar, and it's for the movie Black Swan. I recently re-watched the movie Black Swan. It's really good. It's really dark. And yes, she deserved the Oscar. But can I talk about some of the other movies? She definitely should have been at least nominated for an Oscar. How about an earlier movie, right after the Star Wars pre She was in a movie directed by Zach Braff called Garden State. If you have not seen young Natalie Portman in Garden State, where she plays this young person who has some issues and is working at a job that you really don't understand. She's an awkward person in this movie. She's not her usual confident self. It's one of my favorite Natalie Portman performances. Her in Garden State. How did she not get at least nominated for an Academy Award. And then there's Jackie, which she was nominated for, but didn't win the Oscar. And I understand why. I don't really care about who wins the Oscars. I'm really just here. She should be nominated at least six times in her career. And the other movie she should have been nominated for is the female-led sci-fi movie, Alex Garland's Annihilation. Uh, Alex Garland, I'm a huge fan of. He did Ex Machina, and now he's done Annihilation. Natalie Portman in Annihilation was one of the best performances of 2018. If you had not seen Natalie Portman in Annihilation, see this movie. It's about a person whose husband is trapped in this sci-fi world. It is nuts. It is bonkers. I cannot really explain it, but it is one of the best of her performances. And let's also talk about her, her performances in the Star Wars prequel, where we all learned who Natalie Portman was. And one of the reasons I'm really, I'm really a huge Natalie Portman fan is the way she's used her Star Wars fame. It hasn't absorbed her. I don't feel like she's a person who really cares about fame. The fact that she went to Harvard afterwards, I mean, she's Padme. And a lot of people diss those prequel movies because of the lack of romantic relationship between her and Hayden Christensen. I get it. They're not the best love story movies. They're also Star Wars. So I don't really understand why all these people thought George Lucas was going to be able to write a bunch of great dialogue for love interests. He didn't do that even with Han Solo and Leia. So I don't know why so many people were surprised about that. What I also find interesting about Natalie Portman is that she's also had backlash from her Thor appearances as Jane from the Thor movies, which, by the way, she's coming back and she's going to be a female Thor. That was announced at Comic-Con, so the timing of me doing this podcast about her, I was planning on doing this podcast about her before I know that news, before I learned that news. But the fact that she's gotten backlash from joining these two great franchises, and she's not the problem in either one. The, The problem with people's issues with Jane is not Natalie Portman herself. She's just, you know, another female in distress in that movie. Now she's taking that next step. It's interesting. But in Star Wars, she's just another. But in the movies where it's all about Natalie Portman, you cannot deny her overall greatness. Again, Black Swan. It's nuts what Natalie Portman has to do. Natalie Portman has to, in a fake scene, in a scene, she has to hallucinate and pretend like she's killing Mila Kunis' character. I mean, there are scenes in Darren Aronofsky's Black Swan that are nuts if you have not seen that movie. 
And again, even in a silly, stupid movie with Ashton Kutcher, no strings attached, Natalie Portman carries the movie. There's a hilarious scene where she eats a whole box of donuts in a car. I think she can play in any genre, and that's why I think she's that rare actress who she can play Jackie Kennedy in a movie, and then she can be in a silly movie like No Strings Attached. And one of her, another underrated performance by Natalie Portman is in Taryn Malick's Song to Song. If you have not seen 2015 Song to Song, it's with Ryan Gosling, Rooney Mara, Michael Fassbender, and Natalie Portman. And yes, a lot of people are not into them. Terrence Malick right now. I think he's a really good director, and that movie is visually stunning. But Natalie Portman in that movie is awesome energy. She's a mess in that movie. And sometimes she's playing her best characters when she's a mess. Like That's why I think Jackie is so interesting. It's probably one of her better roles because Natalie Portman sometimes come off comes off as perfect, but in, as Jackie, she's somebody who's dealing with the death of her husband. So she's somebody who, like Jackie, is usually perfect, but she's going through something. And then in a movie like Annihilation, she's not put together. She's searching for her husband who she, she's cheated on. So you have that backlash of that movie. I just think Natalie Portman's most interesting roles is when she's not always perfect. Maybe that's why the Padme character in Star Wars is boring to people. Maybe that's why the the Jane character in Thor is boring to some people. Because with Natalie Portman, she can go all in on some super really disturbing characters who have significant flaws. And again, in Song to Song, she's super messed up. In Garden State, she's super messed up. In Black Swan, she is super mega obsessed with becoming the best dancer in the world. And she's trying to get on that next level. And that movie perfectly describes... I think that's that's the perfect Natalie Portman movie. Because it perfectly describes what she's willing to do to become a great actress. And what her character is willing to do to become a great dancer. I feel like at times, Natalie Portman's name does not come up on the list of the best actresses working today. To me, there's Natalie Portman. Jennifer Lawrence is on that list. So many great actresses are on that list. I think... Um, yeah, I think Jennifer Lawrence is the one who took the main thing away from Natalie Portman because I think those two are neck and neck. I can't tell you who I like better. I'm a huge Natalie Portman fan, and just the fact that she she's she's somewhat getting overshined by people because she doesn't have more than one Oscar. She she's not always in the biggest of movies. Like a movie like Annihilation was a bust by box office standards, but she's brilliant. And Jackie wasn't a massive success. She was nominated for an Oscar, but we're not talking about her great performances overall. Movies like Garden State. She's been doing this for twenty something years. She has longevity over Jennifer Lawrence, for instance. I think she's also been overlooked by people like Amy Adams, who I also am a huge Amy Adams fan, but it just bothers me why she's not in that discussion. I think Natalie Portman has been overlooked, and I think Anne Hathaway is also another actress who I think has been overlooked. There's so many great actresses working today that it feels like we only concentrate on who's the best in the world at this moment. For a long time, Jennifer Lawrence was the best actress in the world, and I feel still feel like some people feel that way. I don't really know who most with the consensus best actress in the world is, but Natalie Portman's name needs to be on the list. Look at these movies. The Star Wars prequels, Garden State, Garden State, Black Swan, Thor, No Strings Attached, Song to Song, Jackie, Annihilation. There's so many more I haven't even discussed. She is such a great actress. And it's it's the intensity. I'm into whatever is going on. 
in a movie like Jaggy, in a movie like Black Swan. They couldn't be any more different, yet she's super intense in both of them. And I think both those two movies, if you, those are the two best performances by an actress this decade. Black Swan and Jackie, and they are both performed by the same actress, Natalie Portman. She's just one of the best. Even those times she's hosting Saturday Night Live, you're like, wow, she's insanely talented. She is one of the best actresses, not just of my generation, but of all time. You need to watch more Natalie Portman movies, and we need to discuss how great and underrated Natalie Portman is as an actress right at this very second. I think you can say that Natalie Portman is somebody who hasn't actually garnered fame and success from the studio system. She's probably become way more rich and famous for being in the Star Wars and the Thors, but no one's actually said she's done some great acting in those movies. And in fact, she's some regarded as some of her worst performances in those movies is Jane and Padme. So I think as she continues to do movies more outside the studio system, like Vox Lux that came out this year where she played a pop singer, I think that's the way Natalie Portman's career is going to go. But hey, in 2021, she is going to be the female Thor. Maybe this will be the big time studio movie that propels her to be thought of as a great actress outside of those small indie movies like or not indie movies like Black Swan and Jackie are indie movies, but those big box office superhero movies. Because I think the majority the people that watch Natalie Portman know her from Star Wars and from Thor are unimpressed. But the people that only know her from Black Swan and Jackie, she's had like two careers. The big box office hits that everyone knows in those smaller movies where she's just acting brilliantly in. People need to learn about the real Natalie Portman. She's one of the best actresses of all time. Switching gears, let's talk about the latest Spider-Man movie, Far From Home. I'm going to talk about what I liked. I'm not going to reveal much about the plot. First off, Tom Holland as Spider-Man is getting better as Peter Parker. He can carry a movie at this point. Let me talk about this. What's the difference between, we always talk about the, the people who have played Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, now Tom Holland. Tom Holland has already played Spider-Man in more movies those two people. Andrew Garfield played him twice, infamously, and Tobey Maguire played him three times. Tom Holland has been Spider-Man five times in Spider-Man, first in Civil War, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, and now Spider-Man Far From Home. Now, in those two Avengers movies, he wasn't in the three Avengers movies, basically, because Civil War, he wasn't the main character in those movies, but he has played Spider-Man five times, and the world is not tired of him yet. In fact, I would argue people want more Spider-Man in these movies. He he is entertaining. He is he is the best personification of Peter Parker we have ever seen. He's young like the character was in the comics. He has this naive attitude towards things in these movies. He is the best version of Peter Parker. You could argue that Tobey Maguire maybe was a better Spider-Man. You could argue that Andrew Garfield maybe was a better action star Spider-Man guy. He's the best Peter Parker version. So for that, he has to be the best Spider-Man of all time because being Peter Parker is part of the job. 
I just think by Spider-Man 3, I was tired of Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. And I think by The Amazing Spider-Man 2, I was tired of Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. I am not tired of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. I would sign up for five more movies of that guy being Spider-Man. Because I know he's going to look that way for a while. And it's going to be some of the funniest and entertaining things possible. That's that's rare in and of itself. How quickly did we... T- yes, Tobey Maguire's first two Spider-Man movies are brilliant. The third one is bad, and he is bad in it. The Amazing Spider-Man is a good movie to me. The first Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie is, in fact, decent. By the second one, I was tired. And we usually grow tired of these actors playing the same roles. Guess what? I'm not tired of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. The same way I wasn't tired of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man. That is what Marvel is doing. This is why he could be the next face of the franchise. Because you're not going to get tired of him playing that role. One of the other things I really enjoyed about Spider-Man Far From Home is more Zendaya as MJ. Listen, what she's doing in these movies is hilarious. She was still seen funny in Homecoming, and in this movie, she gets to be a main character, and she is one of the main reasons I think this movie was better than Homecoming was because of the the resurgence of Zendaya as MJ. It was just flat out hilarious. And the difference between her MJ and Kirsten Dunst is just, it's, it's so different characters. And I'm not dissing Kirsten Dunst's character, but her character was there to get captured. She was captured in all three movies. The first one by the Green Goblin, the second one by Doc Ock, and the third one by Venom. Guess what? In this movie, Zendaya's MJ was not captured. Thank you, Disney. Thank you, Marvel. Thank you, Sony, for not creating an MJ who always gets captured and is just there to pretend to be an actress. I mean, that was that was getting annoying with Kristen Dunst's MJ. Even in Spider-Man 2, I was over her whole acting career thing. This is just a way more interesting character, and she actually seemingly has chemistry with the person who's playing Peter Parker. Listen, I don't want to go back and diss the older Spider-Man movies. Because in 2000, we didn't even know what superhero movies were supposed to be. But now that we have a formula of what works and what doesn't, this duo of Spider-Man and MJ work a lot better than that one. And we are all better for it. I've seen her in the show Euphoria on HBO, and I'm going to talk about that on a later podcast. She's just a brilliant actress at this time. And again, in movies like The Greatest Showman... I mean, she's just the next big thing, if you ask me. But the the their dynamic in this is just so much better. It's 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 as good as Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, which, by the way, she was Gwen and this is MJ. But it's as good as that, and the plot just works. It's like having their chemistry and it working within the plot. It's just a brill. It's why it's better than both versions of the other fran- of the other two franchises of the Spider-Man movies. Can I talk about the director of these two movies, Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home? Director John Watts has pulled off two gigantic plot twists. In the first one, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming by now, we find out that Peter Parker's 
girlfriend's father is the vulture. And he pulls off another mind-blowing twist, which I'm not going to reveal. But the fact that a Marvel movie in 2019 can surprise you so much, because a lot of the times these superhero movies give you the obvious. And I remember learning that the vulture was her dad, and I was shocked. And I was equally shocked in the direction that this movie took. It was mind-blowingly shocking. And that's the most brilliant thing the Marvel movies have done in the last five years. And it's those kinds of twists and turns that are going to keep making Spider-Man interesting. You had to do something different to make these Spider-Man movies work. You had to get Green Goblin out of the equation. You had to get Doc Ock out of the equation. You had to use villains that we hadn't seen before, which they did in this one. And they did in Homecoming with Vulture. And you had to do something different. And these two movies that Marvel has made has done something amazingly different. It has plot twists that you don't see coming and you can't guess that it's coming. When I saw Amazing Spider-Man 2, because I read the comics, guess what? I knew Gwen Stacy, Emma Stone's character, was going to die in that movie. Because once they introduced the Green Goblin, it's well-known comic book lore that the Green Goblin kills Gwen. And guess what? That movie wasn't as interesting because I knew that. These movies, Homecoming and Far From Home, are giving you unexpected plot twists. That yes, maybe you know it's going to take some kind of turn, but the turn that it gives you is so unexpected and amazing. It is the it is two of the best Marvel movies ever made because of those plot twists and the director John Watts by giving it this like Ferris Bueller teenage vibe he's just done a brilliant job in directing these movies and if he's the next Marvel guy like they should get John Watts to direct the next Avengers movies because he knows what he is doing he knows how to play and trick the audience which is what I am ultimately here for to be to that's what I'm here for, to be enjoyed and for those twists. It's what's it's some of the best Marvel movies that they've done. The next thing I really enjoyed about Spider-Man Far From Home is Jake Gyllenhaal as Quinn Beck, a.k.a. Mysterio. I'm not going to reveal a lot about this movie and a lot about this character, but it is one of the best performances of his career as he returns back to big studio movies. When I was growing up, Jake Gyllenhaal was in big studio movies like The Day After Tomorrow and like Prince of Persia, which was a huge bust for him in both sides. Listen, I've never even tried to watch that movie. I understand how bad it is. But for him to make his big return after being in smaller movies like Nightcrawler, I think he does a lot of similar things that he did in Nightcrawler in this movie. He's just an interesting, compelling character, and his relationship with Peter Parker really makes this movie unique and special. I think what I'm most excited about after seeing this movie is where this trilogy and where this movie series can go with Tom Holland as Spider-Man, now with Zendaya as MJ. They're guess what? They're pro they're dating at the end of this movie. Let's just say that. And where this is going to go. Is Spider-Man going to be the next face of the Marvel movies? Or is he just going to be there? Is Captain Marvel the face of this thing? Is Doctor Strange the face of this organization now? That's the most interesting thing. 
but him as a character, they've just mastered the art of portraying him in movies now. And it's interesting. He's played the character five times. Again, he's played the character five times, and I still want to see him do it. I also want them to continue to use villains I haven't seen before. And I know ultimately, ultimately, this is going to happen. We are going to get Tom Holland going up against Tom Hardy's Venom. And I I hope that's going to be real good. I wasn't that high on what I saw in Venom, but I am high on what I'm seeing in the Spider-Man movies. I want to see some of those. I want to see Kingpin in a live action movie again. I know he was in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, but of course I want to see that character again. I want to see Kraven. I want to see all these characters that we've never, well, we did see Electro, but maybe we'd like to see that do over because Jamie Foxx wasn't that good in that movie. They, they can go in a million directions with who the villains are because Spider-Man has the second best rogue of villains in comic book history. The second being Batman. The people that Spider-Man can go up against are the best villains. They are the best villains and you've already seen that in the first two movies of this one. Wherever these Spider-Man's movies are going to go, I'm here for the ride. I think they're going to they're going in a great different direction. They're different from the Tobey Maguire movies. They're different from the Andrew Garfield movies. And their quality is getting better. This movie franchise is my favorite superhero movie franchise. Spider-Man is my second best favorite superhero only to Batman. So I have a huge invested interest in where this is going. And I think this was the, this was better than, I enjoyed this better than Endgame. Endgame's probably a better movie, but I enjoyed Spider-Man Far From Home probably more than I enjoyed Endgame. It's endlessly funny. The fact that they're in, the fact that they took it outside of New York was also something I found interesting. This is a really great movie. This had a great director, great acting, great story, really good superhero movie. I am not tired of superhero movies yet. I don't understand this argument. They're getting better. They are getting better. And Spider-Man Far From Home is definitely a sign of things to come for Spider-Man. It's only getting better from here. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney. There will be a new episode of Pop Culture Spotlight every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. In this edition of the podcast, I put the spotlight on actress Natalie Portman and Spider-Man Far From Home. Next week, I'm putting the spotlight on the horror movie Us and the female-led heist movie Widows. Tune into that. Tune into this. Tune into more. And please rate review and subscribe. Thanks again for listening.